Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the official Tennis.com podcast featuring professional coach and community leader, Kamal Murray. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I am your host, Kamal Murray. And my, 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 we have just witnessed probably the greatest Australian Open in the past decade. We saw Ash Barty become the first Australian woman in over 43 years to win the Australian Open. We all know how hard it is to perform in your home country. That 43-year drought is a testament to how hard it is for great Aussie women to win there. And Ash Barty has done it. And she done it with she did it with class. She did it without dropping a set. Very dominant. We saw Rafa Nadal make history. We all knew that with Novak Djokovic not playing at the Australian Open, that it was a great chance for Rafa to break the tie, get 21. And then who knows, to spread the lead at the French Open and get 22. We saw Daniil Medvedev be up two sets to love, 3-2, serving 40 love. This will be a match that he remembers for the rest of his life. He was a spoiler of Novak Djokovic when he was trying to get his 21st, and he was probably a point away from being a spoiler to Rafa and didn't quite get it done. Talk about a guy with a bright future. And a guy that with his style, he can reproduce this level of play and this type of result over and over again because he doesn't make many errors. He doesn't play very offensive. The style of tennis he plays makes it easy for him to perform at this level for the next 10 years. And I think he will be the next great champion and probably the front runner in men's tennis for the next 10 years. What do we think about Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kakanakis? Have we ever seen a dedicated single session ticket and stadium be sold out for a doubles final. I don't think even the Bryan brothers sold out an entire stadium with a single session ticket for any of the doubles finals. Who knows? Maybe this is the start of the Nick Kyrgios that we all want to see. One that's a little bit more attached to the win. One that's a little bit more serious when it's time to be serious, flashy when it's time to be flashy and really just the, 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 the great champion we know he could be. We all know Nick is probably first or second best player on tour. We want to see more of him on TV. And let me tell you, winning a doubles grand slam might be small to some, but winning a singles grand slam, a doubles grand slam, or a mixed grand slam is a big deal no matter which of the three you get. So congratulations to those boys. This week, we've got a special guest, Peter Levedev. This is an experienced tournament director who's been fighting for years to keep tournaments in America and create new tournaments. He's a longtime TD at the Atlanta Open and the new tournament director at the Dallas Open. Him and John Isner have worked hard to bring this event to Dallas and end the 30-year drought of professional men's tennis in that city. We're going to share some stories about being a tournament directors, the pain, the love, the pressure, the sleepless nights leading up to the event, and some great stories. It's always interesting to see how these tournaments evolve 
And at the end of the final, all the things that took place behind the scenes that fans have no idea about. Take a listen. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, Kamal Murray, and we have got the pleasure of being with somebody that's probably in a lot of pain right now, Peter Ledvedev. Similar to Medvedev, right? Uh, right. He is leading the charge for the return of tennis to Dallas. There's an ATP 250 coming up. I got my 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 taste buds a little wet this summer with running a 250 event. So, you know, I, I always like to speak to TDs the week of an event. They always look like their hair's not done. They haven't slept. They haven't <laughs> slept at all. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking time out because I know you're getting like, you're going to have 45 emails within this 30-minute podcast. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. You, you look forward to it, and that week, the week up leading to it is, uh, is just crazy. Everybody's got questions, and you've got to answer them. But uh, I think we're in pretty good shape. So uh, hopefully I only have about 15 after this 30 minutes. <laughs> now tell me about GS Sports, because, you know, one of the things I hear on tour a lot, you know, I coach a woman, but I always – sit at the bar with the guys, especially the guys who are like, you know, 106 and below. And there's just always a complaint about there not being a pathway for American players to improve their ranking in America, right? They got to like pack their bags, bunk up and head to Europe and train around Europe to try to get some points. Tell me about your company and your commitment to American tennis. Well, GF Sports and Entertainment is, is our company. And in 2015, uh, our founder, Gary Furman, is a tennis guy at heart. He actually owns seven tennis clubs in the New Jersey area. So he was tennis before we even came along. And uh, he saw an opportunity to have the uh, Atlanta Tennis Championships and the uh, what was back then as in Memphis, two ATP 250 events. And he said, OK, we want to help American tennis. We want to grow American tennis. We're going to own these two events, keep them in the U.S. because, look, all the European countries want these 250s. Uh, you know, as you know, Europe tennis is like the number two sport in, uh, over in that part of the world. And tennis is not the number two sport in the U.S. So we have a challenge. So our company is committed to helping the tennis and making sure that, you know, U.S. tennis gets stronger. Along those lines, where we're actually at this year in, at SMU and with our commitment in Atlanta with the University of Georgia and Georgia Tech, wanting to give those college kids an opportunity. So we, uh, we give some wild cards to college players every year. Um, when we were in New York for a couple of years, we actually you know, had some playoffs uh, for those players to earn them. And that gives them an opportunity. So you know, the company is committed to American tennis and really doing the best they can, as well as producing the best possible tennis event that, they, uh, that we can. So tell me about the challenges, because one of the things that I see, we have seen different events pop up in America, whether it be 100Ks or 60Ks or 125s pop up, and they seem not to stay, right? And, you know, these events are hard to make work from a P&L basis. Uh, I think in the COVID years, we've been lucky where the tours have stepped up and provided right. some subsidy to try to get it, but they're only going to be able to do that for so long. So the Atlanta Open has been around a long time. It's a great event. Like you talked about, it has been a great pathway for college players like a Chris Eubanks, right, who played at Yeah, he had a great Georgia run. Tech. Yeah. Um, so how do, you, how do you think that we can make this model better and make these events a success? Because if they don't make money, they don't stay. You know, um, 
it's really a challenge. But I, I, I think as I look at it, you know, we both know that you've got to get your sponsorships and your ticket sales, uh, uh, sort of the key to, to getting it and making it financially viable. That's number one. So there's only a certain level of, okay, we want to do what's right for everybody um, to do it. You still, at the end of the day, you have to make money as a company. I think what really needs to happen, and this is going to sound different, but we've got to train the players to understand what they're doing. And by that, I mean, they've got to understand, they've got to promote the event. They've got to get out there and say, hey, I'll come to your market, you know, sometime during the year and promote my event. You know, I look at it, Indy 500 and F1, two great events. Those guys shaking sponsors' hands, sitting in the back of the pace car, driving around the track, an hour before they risk their life, be very clear, risk their life at 200 miles an hour and more. And as you know, the day a tennis player plays a match, we're not allowed to have any media contact with them. We're not allowed to do anything with them. They live in a bubble. And what the, the fans want and sponsors want are that sort of priceless moment. How do I get a chance to speak to you know, one player or do something, take that photo? So I think the players need to be educated more. And this comes back to you know, us as tournament directors, our, our governing bodies to say, guys, you've got to understand that you've got to promote your sport. You've got to promote yourself. And then once that happens, we have the opportunity. I mean, going back years ago, the, the players didn't have to stay in hotels. They would stay with housing, even at the pro level. Our event in Memphis from 40 years ago, the, Kevin Curran stayed with the same family for like eight years. Yeah. So those people got to know them. And as the players got, you know, oh, we've got to take care of them. We're going to put them in hotels. We've got to do this. Fans lost touch with them. And I think that until we go back there, it's just going to be a challenge for us. That's something we've done in Dallas. My, my goal is to do things very differently. And I've told everybody from day one, I wanted the Dallas Open to be very different. And one of the things we did is having John Isner as a host of the event. So think of it like Tiger Woods and... Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer for golf. John lives here. So John has been able to basically be next to me when we go and visit sponsors, we go to clubs, we do things. John's there with me all year. Now, because he lives here, he, you know, he wouldn't do that if he lived somewhere else. But, you know, having that model has been absolutely tremendous for us. I mean, our ticket sales, we sold out of our VIP boxes in three weeks. We had a hundred of them. We sold out of our you know, ultra premium um, RBC 40 love suite in six days. And so the help of having somebody like a John to help promote it has been terrific. I mean, everybody, you know, all the media want to talk to John all the time now. It's terrific. So I think the players have to help out the tournaments. As you know, I mean, you know, as you're running those events, the players drop in, drop out. They're here today, gone tomorrow. Um, and I think when you look at that as well, when you're playing on a team, you know, the team owner can tell, you know, that particular quarterback or whatever, hey, you're going to go and do this with me. And they say, you know, yes, sir. Whereas you and I know that in the tennis players, we have to protect them and, and make sure they're ready to play their matches. But that's the part that has to change. And I think, look, Nick Kyrgios is an example of somebody who is doing things differently. You know, whether you like it or not, I mean, he's, he's bringing a life to tennis. And people that don't normally see tennis coming to watch him play doubles. I mean, I, I've never seen a doubles match with that many people coming to it. So if you ask me how we help, we've got to get the players to help us as tournament directors. And, and we need to, look, we need to be banging the streets all the time with our, you know, our partners. But I think it starts with a collaboration between the tournaments and the players to work together 
to build our sport up in the US so that they understand, wow, this is that priceless moment I can get. And, you know, the lower level tournaments, it's when the player's on the way up. You know, oh, I was, I was watching Taylor Fritz when he was playing because there was a, a challenger level event here in Dallas for a bunch of years. So you could say, oh, I watched him when he was coming up. But well, we have to tell that story and get the players to, to help us promote it as much as they possibly can. Not easy to do. Yeah, you know, the, it's funny for me, I'm a coach, right? I'm one of those coaches right. who moments before the match, I'm like, nobody say a word. Everybody stay away. If we're at a slam, all oh, yeah. pre-tournament media done by Friday. So when the draw comes out, we can sort of mentally prepare, lock in, whatever that is. But I do agree with you is all of that is to prevent the player from having an excuse to lose, right? Exactly. And the excuse is, oh, I was in you know, media and they asked me this question and that kind of screwed my head up kind of thing, right? I think it has to be a vertical thing, like you said, not only the players, but the coaches. Because as coaches now, with me sitting in that seat, it's like, let me help you understand what matters. If you go take that photo, that's not going to cost us the match. Right, that double exactly. photo at four all is going to cost us the match. But that photo is not, right? Or that little 15 minutes in the American Express booth or whatever it is, right? That's not going to cost us the match, right? What's going to cost us the match is short forehand, you missed down the line, right? And exactly. we can't connect that to pre-tournament press or media or a sponsor visit or photo with fans. So I think we have to, at all levels, so at the coaching level, really help the players Agreed. understand what matters, right? So that they mentally cannot attach themselves to this as a hindrance. Because, if, you know, players always confer with their inner circle. They very rarely make <laughs> any decision on their own, right? None, none. So we got to like be on the same page, right? The agent, the sponsor, the tournament, all of that say, hey, in America, particularly, we're like number six or number seven. And if right. we're going to grow, it'll benefit everybody, coaches, players, agents, trainers. Like when they make more money, when the events make more money, players make more money, they want a bigger piece of the prize, right? Uh, and then everybody else below it. So, well, I think, I think you're very right when you say it. If you want a bigger piece of the prize, you got to have some skin in the game to, to do that. And, you know, you're 100% right because I've had a couple of discussions with coaches, you know, when I was in New York saying, guys, I need him to do a signing right now. He's not playing tomorrow. Oh, he's got to have his full hour and a half. I'm like, really? This is an American player that, you know, we just need him to do a signing for somebody. And I think the greatest example of, of that being done very well was the Bryan brothers. You know, look, Wayne and the boys came to Memphis and I think one of their first ever wins was the Memphis Double. They did every kid's day. They did every meet and greet. And that's why they were loved by the fans. You know, I mean, they, they created this. Everybody got to know Mike and Bob. And it was by design from Wayne, you know. And I, I think we, we have to get the agents, coaches, players, and taunts to work together. I mean, I'm, look, I'm not saying that if I get a player to come and help me out, that's all I need to do. I've got to work with them and coach them and, you know, I've got to incentivize them to help me out and all those sorts of things. But I think we have to get all of us on the right page if we want to see um, big growth for our sport in the U.S. here. And I think it's there. I mean, I think we have enough passionate tennis fans and, and partners. I mean, in Dallas here, everywhere I'm going, people are interested. People want to see it. It's, it's been amazing. And now it's sort of up to me to, 
okay, I've got to navigate that and be successful with those things. But, you know, it, it's there if we, if we do it correctly. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. So tell me how this event came about, because I know for Chicago tournament, it was, you know, I'm here, obviously, I've got a facility, I was championing, right, this sort of event as a way to, hey, I built a big stadium court, let's, we're ready for the event to host it, I've got a relationship with hotels, so it was sort of like, you know, my idea and my sort of, you know, sleepless night, kind of headache, heartache, (laughs) to champion the calls, you've got John there, um, obviously can go to a lot of cities. How did it end up in Dallas? Was it John going to the ATP? I know it was me and Steve Simon having a lot of like conversations, but you know, before the event came to Chicago, it's been three years in the making with Steve right. going, Hey, we love an event. We're in the calendar, that kind of thing. And him being like, yeah, let's do it. Let's take our time. Let's see how we can make sure it's successful. So it stays. How did your event come about? Well, we're in New York, uh, for three years. And we're getting better and better every year. Things are looking great. But we had a giant stadium. Um, we had 3,500 people in our last final um, in 2020. And you know, two weeks after our event, the world just totally changed with COVID. But you know, on that Sunday of the final, somebody said, oh, there's this thing COVID happening. And you know, the whole world changed. But um, it didn't, it, we didn't have that intimate feeling. And then when COVID came, the building changed and so the opportunity for us to say okay let's go to what we really believe in an intimate atmosphere a place that's going to be successful so I actually was going around the country looking for sites trying to find one that fit all of those um, aspirations we had as a company and I had three three great opportunities uh, three different places and then I sort of got to thinking you know I was about to go and present to our board our um, GF Sports Entertainment board like here's my recommendation of what we should do. I got an inkling in my head and said, hang on, uh, let me go back on this other lead I had. So I called up um, John Isen's agent, Sam Duval, and he sort of, he and I chatted and then we got John on the phone and John chatted and then we got Grant Chen, who is the uh, head tennis coach here at SMU. And two days later, December 17th, as Grant reminds me of the date, um, I flew down to Dallas and I met with those uh, with those guys. We walked around and I looked at it and I said, this makes sense. I mean, with the history of the WCT at Moody Coliseum, you know, the original birth of true professional tennis happened here on the SMU campus. Um, I suddenly thought this actually makes more sense than any of the other options. And uh, next call was, as you know, to my operations guy who, you know, I say it works and he's, he's going to tell me, okay, you don't have you know, two, 240, vaults here you need this there you need to you know all of those sorts of things i i know enough to know we've got a chance and then i brought bill bill ward down who's our director of ops and he said look here's what we all have to do but you know the bones are great and we just went went for it after that and uh it made a lot of sense when we put all the numbers together and um that's how it got there because as, as gf sports entertainment owns the event so it's up to us to you know, take it to wherever we think we can be successful. We have to get approval from the ATP to relocate. And uh, we put a package together with a 
Dallas Sports Commission really helped us. Um, you know, Mark Knowles lives in Texas, who's on the board on the players' side. So, you know, spoke to Mark beforehand. It passed, you know, within 10 minutes because Dallas is such a great city as, you know, if you want to put a, a, a dot on the map of great cities to have an event, the ATP looks at Dallas and says, okay, you know, the airports, the corporate support, all those things. Um, so we got that approval and, and that's where we are. In May, I think it was May 15th, we made the announcement, you know, sort of got all the contracts done and everybody agreeing and, and that's how we got here. But it was a seven-month journey around the country trying to find it. And it really at the end is, you know, one of those things, as, as you said, just sort of sleeping and suddenly thought, hang on, I know one person that might have an idea. And, and that's how we got here. And so far, it's just been, you know, a fantastic journey. So supportive. The people here in, in Texas, I think Dallas might even be the, the best kept secret. You know, I was chairman of um, junior comp for, for a few years and was um, USDA junior comp for over 20 years and always heard about Texas being great and all this sort of stuff, but hadn't really spent a lot of time here. Let me tell you, I came down here. There's so much activity down here. So, oh, it, it's unbelievable. So I, I always celebrate it's best kept secret. And um, so that's how we got here. And it's, uh, I think it's a good story. There was one of the other cities was, uh, was further north and the temperature was going to be very, very cold. And some of the people on my board said, Peter, you just didn't want to go to where it was going to be that cold in February. Right. I said, well, as an Australian, maybe I was looking for a little warmer weather, but you know, um, it just made sense. And it's, you know, we just know it's been really successful here already. Now, how did you attract such a player field? I know when I threw my event, it was a lot of text messages. It was a lot of like, you know, hey, we're having an event in Chicago. Chicago's a great city. Every girl's dream is to be kissed under the bean <laughs> downtown Chicago. <laughs> you got to come to Chicago, right? And it was, it was so funny. Everybody I had spoken to had been on a layover in O'Hare Airport, but had never spent the night in Chicago. Right, right, yeah. And, right, and so it was a lot of picking up the phone to players I knew, hey, I know what you want. You want a great hotel, great food. I got some strange requests like, yeah, I heard about this club underground. If I come, you got to take me to underground. It's like, well, I won't <laughs> go with you, but I'll get you in, right? You know what I mean? Right, so, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so how, you know, how did that go? And you obviously had the benefit of having John, right? Who can call a couple exactly. of people. And then they probably exactly put him right. on the hook. John, if I come, you got to get Maddie to like, let you have a night out, right? Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, part of the reason we got John as the host, I mean, during, uh, I think during the Italian Open, when John was over, he's texting me, hey, Peter, you know, I spoke to these guys in the locker room, you know, contact their agent. At the end of the day, you know, you haven't talked to the agent and figuring out the right track on that because you do have to have a great hotel, which we've got, the Highland, which is 500 yards away from the site here, just across the road. It's, a, you know, high, very, very high end, has fantastic suites, great food. Um, you tell them all that. John wants to have fun with the guys, show off his city. We've got uh, the team's going to go to a Mavs game. We've got, uh, we got a suite one night for the Mavs game. We've got some other tickets. So we tell them all of those things. And at the end of the day, though, you know, as a coach, you're going to do the schedule that works for your player, you know, and that's as much as I can have all of these things, if it doesn't work in their schedule, that's a challenge. And we are the only uh, indoor ATP event in the United States. So we're a little bit of a, a uh, anomaly in, you know, do you go to Australia and then, you know, not play Dallas and then go down to, Delray, Acapulco, or those things. So we've got to make sure that we do a better job. But what the guys do like is, okay, 
indoors, I know the surface, I know the conditions, I don't have to wait for rain delays, you know, all of those other things. And um, all of the guys have been excited. When I was speaking to Riley in Atlanta this year, I said, you know, what do you think? He's, man, I'm so pumped. I can't wait to go to Dallas, you know. And it's partly because they know that GS Sports Entertainment does a, does a great job in, in taking care of the players. But they also say, yeah, now John's promised us this. John said it's going to be great. <laughs> John, John's on the hook. <laughs> hey, until Maddie says, oh, no, big boy, you're in tonight. Come on home. Well, it, it, you're, you're exactly right. It's funny. We're actually christening our stadium court um, this Friday at 10 o'clock. And we're actually going to do sort of a uh, power couple kickoff. John and Maddie are going to be playing against Grant Chen, the, uh, the head coach, and his wife, Emily. So uh, we're sort of, Maddie's actually been playing. And so she's going to have to go out there and hit the very first ball on our, on our very unique red and blue tennis courts. We, uh, we've got a very different color for our courts to signify SMU in Texas and they look great. So John's going to be doing it with Maddie out there. So yes, we, we all know. So you talked about your partnership with SMU. So Grant Chan, I know Grant well. He was the assistant at UCLA for years and we used to use UCLA's campuses to practice. Uh, so I know him well and was really happy for him when he got the job down there. You know, that was one of the things we looked at our city. We've got like Northwestern here, DePaul, oh. Illinois, University of Chicago. And we were saying, guys, when we bring this event here, this is a great way to get your one or two player, right, a wild card into the event, maybe get them a few points, maybe they get, you know, maybe this jumpstarts their career. Talk about SMU and how, you know, we talk about how to make these events work and stay and having a good college partner. And you guys even have a, a nonprofit partner. Having a nonprofit partner is like rounding out the whole thing, not just Hey, we're going to have an event. We're going to sell a lot of tickets, have some sponsor experience. It takes so much more than that. So talk about the college sort of piece of that as well. Well, look, it's uh, how do you grow American tennis? You, you know, on the college campus, it's the best way to, you know, a lot of these players, John himself is a you know, University of Georgia grad and, and the successfulness of that. So Grant is, as you know him from his UCLA days, loves to sort of be in part of this. And he was excited and said, you know, what can you do? Because it's going to help my recruiting. When I go out to Kalamazoo and I'm out there at the, you know, the championships, these guys are going to see that my players are getting a wild card in. So that'll help his recruiting of his American players. So that's, that's a huge part of it. And even for SMU, we, we did a, um, even on the education side, their sport management program put together a way for us to promote college night because Tuesday night is when Caleb Chakravarti is going to play his match. We, because it's the last first round match, we know we can say that's going to happen on Tuesday night. That's the one at, thing we do know. At this time, right? It's going to happen exactly. at this, not before yeah. this time, right? Right, right, exactly. So, so we've got him going there and it just allows Grant to be able to go out and next year he knows, okay, when people say to me, what do I get by coming to SMU? And that's a huge opportunity. Last week, we actually, um, I watched the guys play because I'm, I'm here all the time. I'm coming over to the campus. And that, I've seen the last couple of matches. They've been playing some great tennis. Their number one doubles team, Adam and Ivan, have been doing great. So last week, we sort of did a really impromptu. Grant and I got together and I said, look, I want to give a wild card to the doubles main draw and a wild card in quality. And because at the end of the day, going back to our sponsors and our ticket sellers, you know, a guy that is 100 and you know, 30 in the world, giving him a wild card. It's good for him. It doesn't really sell me a ticket. It doesn't really, you know, help a sponsor. But if I've got and can say to a sponsor, 
we're giving back to the SMU program um, by giving them a wild card into these other things as well as you know the opportunity to to jump up in the rankings and you know have the dream. It really helps us give back to the community. So we gave it to Adam and Ivan. They had no idea. You know how you've seen those uh, YouTube videos where the walk-on player doesn't know, and all of a sudden, let me tell you, these guys were so stoked. And Liam Krall, um, he got the wild card of qualies, was so stoked. It was really fired up. You know, one of our uh, one of our team members, she sort of got choked up watching these guys react and how much it meant to them. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Chris Eubanks won two rounds in Atlanta as a wild card from Georgia Tech. He beat Taylor Fritz and Jared Donaldson. Got to the quarterfinals. Unbelievable run. And I'll tell you another story. There's this guy called Joe Salisbury who's been doing pretty good out there on the tour and the doubles world. When I was running this event in Memphis, I gave him and his partner, Dave O'Hare, a wild card into the main draw doubles. Now, they played Mike and Bob first round. They lost to Mike and Bob forum five or whatever it was, you know, tight match. And Dave O'Hare is down here in Texas or has been down here um, coaching Mitchell Kruger. And I ran into him, you know, three months ago. And he's like, that match gave us the belief that we could play at that level. And then so, you know, when they gained that confidence, now Joe's won, you know, four Grand Slam titles in doubles. So I think there's proof in the concept that you can do something here with these players and really give it back. And so, you know, Grant is going to be able to go out on the, um, on the trail of recruiting and saying, look, we're giving back to American tennis. You come to our university, you'll have an opportunity. As you and I both know, no guarantees, but you get a shot. That's, that's a huge thing because it's so dead gum hard to get out there now on the tour. You've got to win so many matches at those lower level events to get up there. And, you know, if you can jump in there and win a round of a 250 and get those, you know, whatever is 12 points or 16 points, what it is, that's a huge jump um, for it. So that's, that's how we look at it with SMU. And I know already he's been telling some other guys, like, you know, this is, this is what's going to happen if you come to SMU. And again, it's not everything, but it's what's different to any other university that you go to potentially. Well, you know, it's funny. So from our tournaments this summer, it was uh, mid-July and I got an email from, um, I think his name is Chris Heller, guy at IMG London. And it was a wild card request to our 125 for Emma Raducanu. <laughs> so she came, started her U.S. swing at our 125, got all the way to the finals, which I'm not sure if she was already in qualies, but definitely helped her like, get into qualies at the U.S. Open and got all the way and won it. So I like to say that's an example of, A, importance of a lower level tournament, right? Not just the 250, Correct. but 125, right? And a TD that kind of knows what it can kind of turn the wheels and sort of maneuver and put a lot of puzzle pieces together to say, wow, it's a great kid, got some momentum, probably sell a few tickets and you could be a part of their story. And it was kind of like, people were so excited to have watched her at a 125, lost in the final, by the way, to Clara Tolson. Um, Tolson playing some good ball. Good ball. And then got away and won a grand slam two or three weeks later. And our coach was wearing the hat, you know, in the stands from our Chicago event. Everybody was so excited. So, like you said, to be a part of someone's story, right, that leads up to it is priceless. So, yep, it, it uh, is. I mean, that, that opportunity that they get and, you know, you never know what that's going to do. And the player gets confidence. You and I both know confidence is, is huge. 
if they start believing in themselves and they get at that low-level tournament. I mean, uh, and I think Emma's a great story too. You know, if if you'd said at the beginning of the U.S. Open, Leila Fernandez and Emma Raducanu are even playing the final of the U.S. Open, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, that's like not great. And it had the higher TV ratings. It was fantastic because there was a story around them. And you started that story at, at your event. And I'm, I hope, as I said to Grant, I hope that in three years I can tell a story about, you know, when we gave Adam and Ivan, we gave them a wild card and they went on to do something or Liam or Caleb, you know, that's what I hope happens for us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now, I look at your field, right? And we don't have a A with the 250s. You all have the top, the two top 10 player rule on the ATP side? No, not, a, not in a... Um... No, we can. We could get top 10 guys if, if we could get top 10 guys. We don't right. have that rule. But in America right now, we've got, without having a lot of top 10s, we've got some great names, right, that love to stay home, right, maintain their social life, be with their girlfriends. And, like, right now, you're, you just got a gift because Maxim Creasy, prior to Australia, yeah. people probably didn't know a lot about him. Final against Nadal, the interaction with Medvedev, People are going to be lining up to see him. So you got you got a gift right there with Maxim Creasy. Well, I, I can just tell you, as you know, the you get your player field on that Monday morning, and he made the final the day before. If they'd done the cutoff on Sunday, he wasn't in our event. He was like 120. Right. And then because of those points hit, he suddenly jumped to 75, and he's in our draw. And we've had a lot of questions about, you know, oh, who's this who's this guy coming up and and that sort of stuff. We've got just about all the Americans that are that are around uh, that are playing between Taylor, Tommy, Riley, John. You know, we've got a great group of guys, um, Jensen Brooksby, Brandon Nakashima, all these guys. You know, they want to stay here, as you said, and, and play some ball. We're going to have some some great matches here. And, and you never know what's going to happen. You know, you can get some great stories out of there. One of these guys can be the breakthrough event for them. And, um, you know, I told John, he's sort of, He's got to do some good stuff. It'd be awesome if John in his first year could have a great run here as well, you know, but um, just have to see what happens on the day. Yeah, it's great. Now, I have some, some tournament director questions because this was our first, uh, you know, the first time in 25 years there's been pro tennis in Chicago. And, you know, there is no sort of playbook to things that maybe the fans don't think about, right? So I've got a couple for you. Okay. How many towels did you order? 750. How many bottles of, you know, what are you, water, Gatorade, Powerade? What's your sports drink? Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, we, we have uh, Smart Water and we have the Powerade. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it is over 300 cases, I think, of each. Yeah. Um, we're, we're a little different than you all outside in the summer. We will go through less indoors, but still, it is a ton of water and a ton of towels because yeah. they go through them all the time and they accidentally walk off. The guys guys aren't trying to take them but it's around their neck and they walk off and they go back to the hotel never to be seen again you know it's a constant attrition i remember it was like we couldn't keep up with the towels right it was like do you I... really need seven towels <laughs> right and the girls were like yeah i need actually three for my hair 
two for my upper body. And I was like, do you really need seven towels, right? You know what I mean? Because you were just going and you got, you know, the washer and dryer on site and you can't keep up. And all those like little things that you, you know, as a fan, you don't think about, but you're just seeing like half drink bottles of water and Powerade. And that was like- Well, you're exactly right. I was like, God, you know, we almost want the mini bottles of water because I'll drink all of those. The, the ones that are a little large, they get halfway through them and they're just sitting around there. Um, yeah, look, you, you never know that sort of stuff. Or even, you know, as you and I both know too, how many meals do you have to get? Because you've got to provide meals to the players and they're, you know, they're plus two, their support team and all that sort of stuff. Like, well, how many do I have to get? And, you know, they have the dietary things. And then again, the hotel rooms, as you know, we have to sort of contract with all these hotels, how many rooms are you going to use? And um, then all of a sudden you've got your TV crew needs to come in and all these things and the rooms go crazy. It's like, gosh, do I have enough rooms? I mean, I, I actually had to, on Sunday, reach out to another hotel to help us out with some extra people that had come along. So, um, yeah, those are a couple of fun questions. But, you know, the towel, it's funny you ask because absolutely that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you got to have your person that's managing the draw, right? Because after they lose, they get like, you know, one extra night or whatever, right? And then the rest, oh, yeah. the rest goes on their dime, right? Then the doubles players, you know, they get three <laughs> guaranteed nights. So you're going to use my three and... And my partner's three, and we get six guaranteed nights in a room. And it was like, ah, you know, I never, luckily, you know, I, I coached a player that never was penny pinching like that. Right. Yeah, so you, was, you, you, were, you had a little bit of a different scenario with what you were doing. I, yeah. I was out there many years ago. A young lady got to about 70 in the world. And, uh, you know, we've been smart on all of those things. You know, you just got to be smart about it. Trying to, I'll do two more appearances if you give me an extra high night uh, hotel room. And those sorts of things. But yeah, it's funny you say that because I literally was having that conversation with my uh, hotel manager today, making sure that she understood that, you know, hospitality for the players starts on Saturday and we've got a bunch of them coming in on Thursday because there's not much between Australia and here. So they're like, well, we'd love to come to Dallas and hang out with John and have some fun things to do. So we got a bunch of players coming in early, which I don't know if I do or don't like. I'll, I'll decide later on. But um you know, so we have to remind them, guys, hospitality starts Saturday. This is right. this is you having to pay for your room. So Yeah, Thursday and Friday is on you, right? Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. And that's, you know, they all know it too. I'll always try and, you know, oh, but, you know, can I can I have it if I do this? And, it's, you know, and I, I've always found that if you make one exception, you just open up the can of, well, you did it for him. And so I, I'm sort of a bit of a stickler for like, I just don't make exceptions. I just want to keep it. If we, everybody's the same, nobody gets anything special, then we can be pretty good about making sure everybody's taken care of the same way. And, and make sure that the, the event does well so that the event right. will be back, right? We can, we can treat you nice this year and not see you again next year, right? So I think that's, that's a part of your conversation and maybe like an education because a lot of players probably don't know the things that you and I are talking about now, right? In terms right. Of, I mean, they know when hospitality starts and ends, but in terms of, you know, making these events last, you know, it is like all of us coming together and say, Hey guys, we are a traveling circus, right? And 100%. We need, we need this to be better. We need, I mean, the product to be better. So, you know, we can't tank, we can't take a day off. We can't, you know, eh, I don't feel so great. We can't, we can't do any of those things because it hurts the event. I remember our semis of one of our events, we had uh, one player legitimately got food poisoning. And I felt so bad because I sent them to the restaurant. 
right? And it was like, because oh, the night before, I hey, guilty. you can be in this restaurant? Oh, I got you, no problem. Next day, food poisoning. It's the semifinal. One semifinal, food poisoning. Match didn't happen. The other semifinal, player loses the set, gets down a break, and retires. And then people and are it, coming like, I, do I get my money back? And I'm like, eh, not quite. It's not how it works. But you feel bad because you came here expecting to see two matches and you saw half a match. Let me tell you, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a backstory. Many years ago when Andy Roddick was playing Milos Ranich in Memphis. And um, I actually, I was Andy's coach on a uh, zonal, no, a, a challenge cup team in 12 and under. I mean, this goes back years ago. Andy Roddick was my number one player. Robbie Ginepri was my number two player. Who knew what they were going to be later on in life? But um, Andy was playing a match. And I get a call from his trainer an hour before the singles final, the doubles finals on court. Nah, Andy's asleep in the locker room. I don't think he's going to be able to play. <laughs> I'm like, what? And so I go down and see him. And he, you know, Doug Spring said, look, he's going to go to bed and you know, sort of lay down the room. And when he wakes up, we'll see how it goes. But you better have... TV, sponsors, everybody ready for no match to happen. So the crazy thing is we, we get everybody together, TV in this, and then Eric Buderak is playing in the doubles final uh, against Max Mirren, and I can't remember who it was. And all of a sudden, instead of the match being, it looks like it's going to be over, you know, in about 10 minutes. So that would give us 45 minutes to sort of figure this all out. All of a sudden, Booty comes back. Him and his partner come back. And then there's a third set. So I've got 15 minutes before the singles final. We haven't been able to move because TV's sitting there, sponsors are sitting there. What do you do? I'm during the doubles presentation, the fastest doubles presentation you've ever seen <laughs> because like I was trying to get him out of there and I'm, I'm talking to Max on the, during the doubles round, I said, Max, can you hang around and play a set with Milos if Andy can't go? I mean, I'm saying this while we're doing the presentation, whispering it to him. He's like, yeah, no problem. You know, like I'll, I'll do it. Anyway, Andy wakes up and gives it a shot. You know, he walks out of these white as a ghost comes out. We end up having the best final we've ever had. Seven, six, six, seven, seven, five in the third. So we go from almost not having a match <laughs> 15 minutes before to having what was on tennis channel, the number two shot of the year when Andy dove, because he was totally horizontal on the court, hitting a forehand passing shot down the line past Milos for a winner. Novak's, cross-court forehand winner um, on match point down to Roger at the US Open got number one shot of the year but Andy played that shot and we're that close to not having an event on the final day and yet we got it so you and I both know the fans were going to be going crazy if there was no final everybody sitting in there we had 5,000 people sitting in there and you just nobody knows that those <laughs> things happen and the end of the day, you know, it comes out, it looks like it's great, like well-planned, fantastic match. Yeah, no, yeah. I... We were much closer to not happening than happening, everybody. <laughs> uh, it, was, uh, it was a great final in the end. So. But that's one of those things that nobody knows is going on. You and I, as tournament directors, have to deal with all the time. And you, you feel bad for the fans if it doesn't happen. Because um, we've had, you know, players pull out at various times that, you know, last minute in a match. And, but if they're legitimately hurt, is, you know, that's a part of being an athlete. Well, man, let me tell you, having Max Muni as a backup, I mean, he is, talk about a class act. Oh, that is one of so the good. guys that if you are in a jam and he is on site, he gets it. And he, no, he, he yep, for sure. Great. It was, you know, it's fantastic. People say, how did you do that? I said, he's a good guy and he's been coming to our event for years. And so he's like, you know, I'll, I'll play a set. No, no problem. So, you know, we, we sort of had a backup. The fact that the Degum doubles, and I gave Eric a hard time about that, 
two, three years ago when I was in New York, he and I were doing a, a talk together. And he's like, I had no idea. I said, I know, you have no idea, but you were killing me, man, when you kept coming back and almost winning the match. I said, I've never cheered against anybody, but I wanted that match over real quick. But uh, <laughs> I know, right? You're, you're, the rain is coming and you're like, let's go. Come on. Like as a GD, you're kind of like, yeah, let's hope this one goes quick, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. People say, who do you want to win? And more often than not, whoever wins the first set. I don't care who wins the first set, but whoever right. wins the first set, it's probably who I want to win the second. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let me tell you, Peter, I, um, I appreciate you. Uh, you know, in America, again, you know, we, we continue to try to elevate the sport and make it more relevant, somehow catch up to basketball, baseball, and football. Um, but it takes people like you and your organization, GS Sports, to try to keep events alive and, you know, add more events to the calendar. So kudos to you guys for uh, doing this event. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming on the show. I know you're kind of like, all right, come on, let's go. I got 55 emails. <laughs> I got to get an extra. <laughs> yeah, as you know, I turned off the email so it doesn't so buzz and I don't get distracted for yeah, this little man. bit of time. So, you know, we'll be, we'll be good. But look, I, great to come on here and, you know, always fun to talk tennis with passionate tennis people, you know, coaches, fellow directors, we can share the stories and, and honestly learn from one another. I mean, that's the most important thing that, you know, I can give you a call now and say, hey, you know, what did you, how did you handle that? What have you got some shared services that things we have here, maybe we can do together. So, you know, I appreciate your time and, you know, what you're doing for our sport as well, because it is our sport. It's a you know, sport for lifetime for all of us. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This has been a tennis.com podcast. If you are sitting at home this weekend, Sunday start. You're going to watch start. the Dallas Open. All right? So support the event great. because we need more of them. Thanks, guys, Thanks. for listening. Appreciate it.